We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Daily Low Woman Podcast and the last episode of the season three. This podcast is going to a summer break. I have prepared a whole new Q&A episode for you. All these questions are from my listeners from Tumblr. Funny thing is, after I had finished recording this episode, I got tons of more questions asked, and I think I will leave them to the next season. I actually have a date for you. The fourth season of the Little Woman podcast begins on the first week of November, and I'm moving on to make bi-monthly episodes, so you will get a new episode twice a month. I had more time last year because of the pandemic, but I don't know how it will be this year. But I am not going anywhere, and I am very excited about the season 4. Emily and I made a series of episodes about the chapter Calls that's coming up. That is the chapter where Aunt Marge decides which girl gets to go to Europe, Joe or Amy, and it has never been in the movies. It's actually kind of weird, because you see Aunt Marge picking one sister in every film, but the actual reason why that happens is missing. Then Christina is also going to make a comeback and we will be dissecting the chapter Friend, aka the chapter where Friedrich encourages Joe to become a real writer and Joe falls in love with him. As do I. Don't forget to join our newsletter if you already haven't. You will get Little Woman Studies to your email. You can join at littlewomanchannel.substack.com you can also get a one free month on Skillshare if you wish. Link is in the description. This is Small Umbrella in the Rain, the Little Woman Podcast, your questions answered. Q&A, Volume 2. This is Small Umbrella in the Rain. Little Woman Podcast, Q&A Part 2. First question. What was Amy and Laurie age gap? Laurie was four years older. It's not a huge age gap. And Louisa May Alcott did like older men. Did Louisa May Alcott have a love affair with Henry David Thoreau? It's possible. I mean, when you read Louisa's journals, there are some censored parts when it comes to Henry. When I have read Henry Thoreau's biographies and his letters, he very often censors the the name of his uh, love interests. This is what the narrator says in Little Woman. Quote, Don't laugh at the spinsters, dear girls, for often very tender, tragic romances are hidden away in the hearts that beat so quietly under the sober gowns, and many silent sacrifices of youth, health, ambition, love itself, make the faded faces beautiful in God's sight. Tragic romances hidden away in the hearts of of the spinster. She literally admits having romances and falling in love. And she was in love with him and his death hit her heart. There's this very interesting part that I read about Henry's funerals that after he died and then Emerson skipped a speech in the funeral and he was somewhat critical about Henry. Louisa got very mad that he was criticizing him. Sometimes people complain that Friedrich in Little Woman, he's written to be too perfect. He's written to be a flawless character. I don't think he's flawless, because nobody is, but I think that admiration and love that Louis had for Henry, you can see that in the way Joe loves Friedrich, and that in her eyes, his flaws are what makes him so great. Or the things that other people see as flaws are what makes him so great in her eyes. What are your thoughts on the 2017 adaptation of Little Woman? I've been meaning to check it out, but hear such conflicting opinions. On one hand, it's said to be very faithful to the book, apart from the Joe and Friedrich argument and apology you mentioned before, and I admire Heidi Thomas' work on Call the Midwife. On the other hand, it just seems like kind of a boring adaptation. I have very mixed feelings about the 2017 series. I think it does a really good job with Meg and John's storyline 
and Beth's character. On the other hand, it falls into the same pitfalls as all other adaptations. There's not enough time or willingness to develop Joe and Frederick and Amy and Laurie, and it romanticizes Joe's and Laurie's relationship. It's not a surprise, because every adaptation does that. But I think it's a lot better than, for example, 2019 film, which tries to modernize the story way too much, because the series takes the time period seriously, and you can feel the threat of the war. You can see the family working together, and it also has this adorable scene of Fritz playing with the children. Hi, do you know who inspired character Friedrich Bear? Thank you. I do know and I have many episodes about it. Friedrich is a mixed character who was inspired by a lot of people who were influential in Louis's life and many men who she admired, like Henry David Thoreau, Waldo Emerson, Goethe and Charles Follen. There are some Alcott schoolers who have done specific studies on Friedrich's character, and some of my favorites are Singing Mignon Song by Christine Doyle, which is all about Louisa May Alcott's obsession with Germany and German culture, and then Joe Marys Goethe, Professor Bear as the Goethean Ideal by Megan Arnett, and Louisa May Alcott's Cosmopolitan Project by Laura Dassel Walls. I'm always happy to share my research. If you want to read some of these studies, drop me a note. I collect academic studies about Friedrich's origins and Laurie's origins. Did Laurie ever respect Joe? This is a really good question. In the end of Little Woman, he does respect Joe. He apologizes for his earlier behavior and he asks if they could go back into the way things were before. Joe forgave him, but she also said that, that he shall always be her brother, but they cannot go back to the way things were. Guess how many Little Woman movies this scene is? None of them because they don't include Laurie's character arc and him harassing Joe. That is the reason why she goes to New York in the first place. And then when Laurie poses her, Joe has already fallen in love with Friedrich because it happens after she has returned from New York. That's never in any adaptations. But this part of Laurie apologizing to Joe, it's only in 1917 BBC series. It's not the greatest adaptation, but I'm very glad that that scene is there. And it's also, I think, the only one where you can really see, you know, Joe and Laurie actually arguing. I believe Lucy wrote Laurie an example of a young man who can see their mistakes and grow out of them. Why that is not in the movies, I don't know. People judge Joe the way she becomes more feminine in Little Woman Part 2. And Joe is 15 in Little Woman Part 1. And Little Woman Part 2 covers time when she's 19 to all the way to late 30s. So it would be pretty strange if there wasn't any kind of personal or physical development. And here's the thing. Lisa writes in the beginning of The Little Woman Part 2 that Joe had received, quote, softer features, or the way I read it, her lady parts were developing. It's described in the book how Laurie is flirting with her and Sloki trying to suggest a physical contact, or like my friend says, Laurie's actions cannot be approved simply because he was horny. The younger Joe made fun of the way her sisters wanted to fit in the society of young girls. The older Cho feels isolation because she cannot fully fit into the male society. Sure, she's more welcome there, but there is a lot of misogyny. She is not fully welcome to the female society unless she can leave behind her own misogynistic thoughts. And Louisa May Alcott has quotes of person receiving a higher form of self-understanding when they move on from one person of interest to another. Or the way Alcott schooler Christine Doyle put it, Laurie is the fascination of Joe's youth, but Frederick is a man. He speaks to her romantic side and to her practicality. To find balance, Joe needs to form her own society, and that she can do together with Fritz by starting a school. There is no need to choose whether to be more masculine or feminine, since he thought she was perfect the way she was, and he brought out the best of her. Do you think Jack from Little Man was a bad person? 
Also, what's your favorite Little Man adaptation? Or do you hate all of them? Jack is one of the pupils in Joe's and Frederick's school in their academy. I think Jack is a rather unusual Alcott character. Unlike Tommy and Laurie, he doesn't really have a redemption arc. And I don't remember him bettering himself at all. I have only seen two versions of Little Man. Movie from the 1940s and the Disney version from the 1990s. And I remember thinking that the 40s version was really strange and the plot had nothing to do with the novel. Uh, the Disney version didn't have Amy and Laurie at all. It has millionaire John and Meg, which is pretty interesting. But I like the actor who plays Nat. He was pretty close to the book. Nat is like the main character in Little Man. He's also one of the pupils of Joe and Frederick. I had a bit of a crush to the guy who played Franz. And I like that in the movie Franz and Fritz and Emil, they were clearly Germans and the accents were very good. In the future, I would like to watch all versions of Little Man and make podcast episodes about them. First, I need to do the same with all the Little Woman adaptations. Do you ship Amy and Laurie? And do you think they balance each other out and genuinely love each other? I personally do think so, and I ship them. But I'd love to hear your opinion too. There's a lot of contention in the fandom around their relationship, and it always infuriates me. I'd love to know what you think. Thanks for the question. I do ship Amy and Laurie. I did an episode about the chapter Learning to Forget, where Laurie proposes Amy, and it was a lot of fun. I remember when I was like 17, 18, and I used to read Good Wives non-stop. I would read that book Every year I was obsessed with it. I was always really impressed by Laurie's character arc because if he had not grown as a person, I would not have wanted him to end up with Amy or anyone. When he did decide to man up, then I could give myself a permission to ship them. I shipped them already in part one because there's that scene when Laurie goes to cheer up Amy when she sat down to march. I don't know if it was meant to be romantic, that chapter, but... I'm a sucker for the couples in Little Woman, and that's the way it is. The bottom line, I think, is that Laurie's relationship with Amy is completely different than with Joe. With Joe, he's annoyed when she tells him what to do. In the book, there are moments when Laurie is genuinely annoyed when Joe preaches him about neglecting his studies and so on, and Laurie gets easily agitated by Joe and Joe by him. And I don't think he was in love with Joe in the beginning with. Being with Joe is almost an excuse not to grow and worry about the future. With Amy, it is the total opposite. After rereading the chapter, it's amazing how he thinks of Amy's words. Aren't you ashamed of yourself? And then decides to change and Laurie as a character becomes a lot more pleasant to be around. He literally turns from a boy into a man and becomes a working member of the society with Joe he would have stayed as Lazy Laurie. And when I read Christine Doe's essay, singing Minya's song, you can tell that's one of my favorites. I had a moment of clarity about their relationships. There's a quote about Louisa May Alcott highlighting the idea of how a person grows and gets into a higher level of self-understanding when they move on from an unsatisfying relationship to one that works. That's when I was like, oh now I get it. That was Alcott's quest all along. These couples represent that idea. When Joe falls in love with Friedrich, he completes her because he helps her to become the best version of herself. And the same goes with Laurie when he's with Amy. And I think both couples suffer from unbelievable mischaracterization in the movies. Between 1933 and 2019 films, the filmmakers put a lot more effort into romanticizing Joe and Laurie and then minimizing the importance of Joe and Friedrich and, and Amy and Laurie relationships, presenting them as afterthoughts. And these quotes that Alcott wrote about the character's transference she wrote them down already when she was a teenager, so it definitely was not an afterthought. And I believe we can trace a lot of that to Louisa May Alcott's personal relationships with Henry and with Ladislas. I think it is such an amazing way to look at relationships and anyone who has been in a bad, unbalanced relationship and then found a 
a healthier one or wish that they could find one that could benefit from that. So yeah, Amy and Laurie and Friedrich and Joe's storylines are very important and an internal part of the story of Little Woman. And this was really the time when people did not expect to marry for love. They were expected to marry for financial reasons. Marie Bird asked, Why do you think so many film adaptations of the novel make those changes to Joe, Bear and Laurie's timelines and personalities? Do you think it's simply for the sake of streamlining things or because of other more complex storytelling challenges? It seems that every film adaptation makes the same, quote, adjustments or something similar. I have lots of thoughts about it. It started way back when the book was published. Laurie was a super popular character, and what I have read, things that we now think are terrible what he does, mainly threatening to hurt himself if, if Joe says no to him, or catfishing Meg. Back then people thought it was romantic, and in general being in this quote, romantic misery was considered the most romantic thing in the world, when nowadays people think that it's creepy and pretty stalkerish. It's not healthy. The other part is that Laurie was rich and when the book came out most people expected women to marry rich men. So Lucy's attempt to make a point of Joe wanting to marry for love was ignored since Friedrich was poor and less dashing. Maybe that weird notion that people had about Joe being pretty when she's not written to be one had something to do with it as well. So people thought that Joe was pretty and then she should be with a pretty guy, but Joe is not written to be pretty. She's written to look very masculine and quite tall and um, manly. It was not considered very attractive in the 19th century and uh, and at least based on the YouTube comments I get from people who criticize the actors who actually look like the book Joe, it doesn't seem to be very attractive today either. And then you get people like Reda Gerwig saying that oh Joe needs to feel herself as a as a winner, that's why she hired a hot Friedrich, because who can say no to handsome Timothy Chalamet? But Joe in the book, she's never attracted to Laurie. She's always very attracted to Friedrich. In the 1930s and 1940s, I believe they were still living under that romantic illusion that Laurie was perfect, and that the things that he does in the novel are harmless. And Hollywood during this time, I'd say, would not make a quote, romantic lead to harass the heroine. Uh, in these versions from 1949 and 1933, the feedback scene is actually pretty close to the book. Like, it doesn't have Joe and Friedrich arguing, or Joe being this immature woman child, like in Kirk's film, saying, oh, I'm going to be famous person and you are nothing. <laughs> like, uh, I can't even fathom how stupid it was. Because that's not the book, Joe. Joe herself didn't like to write sensationalism and Friedrich helped her to leave the magazine and become the writer that she wanted to be. So in these earlier films, Friedrich's feedback scene with Joe was, it was a lot more gentle and closer to the book. And in the 1970s this was changed and it was turned into an argument. For reasons I don't know why, every adaptation after that has decided to go with it and we all know how that's working out. And if you think about it, it doesn't make any sense, but you can clearly see that it started in the 70s. Then Joe and Friedrich argue in 1970 series, 1979 series, in uh, 1994 film, 2019 film, and 2017 series. But it's not in the novel. With the 2019 film, they tried to disguise it as to be feminist, but honestly... How is it feminist for Cho to write sensational stories that she herself does not like and then shout about it to the person who is trying to help her? And that doesn't happen in the novel because Cho herself was smart enough to know that wasn't something that that sensational writing wasn't something that she wanted to do. And we can trace that to Louisa May Alcott because she herself in a way grew out of that and wanted to be a seriously taken writer and took advice from these real-life critics like Emerson and then like Goethe, who was her favorite author. The switch of the proposal timeline already happened in the 1933 version, and it happens in every version. 
except the 2017 series, I think. I remember Greta Gerwig saying that people only remember the movies because they are part of our public conscience. And I'm like, you just said that you love the book at the author. Why are you following the movie timeline? And many people say that Laurie forcefully kissing Joe in the 1994 version is romantic and others don't like it. And it doesn't happen in the book at all, <laughs> once again. In the book, Joe is supposed to be more mature than Laurie. And the proposals in the book is not romantic. And there are people who say that, oh, 2019, Laurie's proposal to Joe was not romantic. Then there are hundreds, maybe thousands, YouTube videos right now with Joe and Laurie in the 2019 breaking up. Wake up at Holiday Inn Express to a can't-miss breakfast that's free with every stay. Count on all the hot, fresh coffee you need and an incredible breakfast buffet that has something for everyone, like eggs, cinnamon rolls, and even hot, fresh pancakes with all the toppings you crave. Next time, do yourself a favor and stay at a Holiday Inn Express with a can't-miss breakfast that's free with every stay. So, when you wake up at Holiday Inn Express, you'll wake up happy, a part of IHG Hotels and Resorts. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. And sad music playing. Every adaptation between 1933 and 2019 somehow has romanticized Joseph and relationship. I think the only one that doesn't is the modern adaptation from 2018. And now since we are in this Me Too era and readers are way more perceptive about harassment and personal consent, I have no idea why the movies want to swap the timeline. But definitely it has to do with money and an excuse not to handle the more complex undertones in Laurie's actions. And since I am not a Joe and Laurie fan, I cannot really say what they think. It does seem that a lot of these filmmakers just want Joe and Laurie together. Or maybe it's what my friend Jimena said, that Greta Gerwig just wants, wants to put Sauer's Ronan and Timothy Chalamet into romantic situations. Some of them just want Joe and Laurie together. They include scenes that don't happen in the novel. Why else they never show the part of Laurie harassing Joe? Laurie wanting to work for Amy and Laurie being lazy or that Joe criticizes him for not liking school, which is a huge contrast for Joe loving the fact that Frederick is a teacher. In the book, Laurie proposes Joe when she returns from New York and has started to develop these strong feelings for Fritz. In the films, when Laurie proposes before Joe goes to New York, it easily gives an impression that she's just running away from him without any actual reason. When in the book, she felt uncomfortable by his behavior. Anon asks, Maybe I am wrong, but I thought I remember hearing from your podcast or read in your blog that in one of the sequels of Little Woman that the boys interrupt Joe and Frederick from almost getting it on. If that is true, could you share that passage, please? Of course I can. It is in Joe's Boys, Chapter 2. Oh Fritz, I am so delighted about Emil. And if you approve about France also, did you know Ludmilla? Is it a wise match? Asked Miss Joe, handing him her cup of tea as if she welcomed her refuge in joy as well as sorrow. It all goes well. I saw the mansion. When I went over to place France, a child then, but most sweet and charming, Plumenthal is satisfied, I think, and the boy will be happy. He is too German to be content away from Waterland, so we shall have him as a link between the new and the old, and that pleases me much. And Emil, he's to be second mate next voyage. Isn't that fine? I'm so happy that both of your boys have done well. You gave up so much for them and their mother. You make light of it, dear, but I never forget it, said Joe with her hand in his as sentimentally as if she was a girl again, and her Fritz had come wooing. He laughed his cheery laugh and whispered behind her fan. 
If I had not come to America for poor lads, I never should have found my Joe. The hard times are very sweet now, and I bless God for all I seem to lose because I gained the blessing of my life. Spooning, spooning, here's an awful flirtation on the sly, cried Teddy, peering over the fan. Just at that interesting moment, much to his mother's confusion and his father's amusement, for the professor never was ashamed of the fact that he still considered his wife the dearest woman in the world. Rob promptly attracted his brother from one window to see him skip at, at the other, while Mrs. Cho shut her fan and held it ready to wrap her unruly boy's knuckles if he came near her again. Chef really are the cutest. There are quite a few scenes in Joe's Boys where they are making out and kissing. And it's interesting because in the 19th century it wasn't considered appropriate to kiss or hold hands in public. But it seems to be like a team with Joe and Frederick under the umbrella chapter. They're kissing in the, in the middle of the street. Uh, the narrator even says that, oh, Joe would have kissed him, even if the birds on the fence would have been people. Hi, what are your thoughts on John and Meg? Of all the little woman couples, I see them discuss the least, and I feel like I am the only one who loves that ship the best. Thank you. Hard eyes for this question. I do love John and Meg. I do want to make more episodes about them. Films don't really put that much focus on John and Meg. I feel like they are so focused on romanticizing Joe and Laurie and then often quite lazily handle Joe and Friedrich and Amy and Laurie and everything else seems to be overshadowed by that. In the novel, I think the Vanity Fair chapter captures the way Meg begins to understand character. It kind of parallels uh, to Joe in New York at the symposium. Meg likes to be pampered by these rich girls, but then she also feels that she's more of a toy for them and is there to amuse them. The Vanity Fair leaves sort of a bad taste in her mouth, but it does make her consider what kind of person she wants to be and what qualities she admires. This was one of those things that was once again completely erased from the 2019 film where Greta Gerwig, she said something in the lines of that Meg settles for the life of being a wife of a poor man. The entire point of the book of Meg realizing that the word of these rich girls is poor in its own way. That was entirely missing from the film. It's one of my favorite scenes in the 1994 film. Meg played by Trini Alvarado. She comes to the same conclusion as Meg in the novel. Once John and Meg are married... They face the same struggles that a lot of married couples do when adjusting to a new situation. And John is the sweetest when he gives up on getting a new coat so that Meg can get a dress. And then she doesn't feel right about it. And then that's followed by the sex scene. If you don't know about the sex scene, it's on the episode Love and Sex in Little Woman on this podcast. In the novel, both John and Friedrich, they, they felt that they were not word of these women because they were poor. And I think a lot of people mischaracterize Meg as somebody who just wanted to be pretty and rich. And they say the same about Amy, or that she envied her rich friends. In the first part of the novel, there's a chapter where the girls want to do this experience that they are not going to work for a while. And they tell that to their mother, who thinks it's a good exercise for the girls to see the importance of being productive. I think it actually shows that Meg has a very high work morals because quite soon she feels that she's not being productive enough and that she's lacking something. And Marches, they used to be wealthier and Meg remembered how it was, but she never was somebody who was afraid to work. The modern narrative often wants to portray her as the least ambitious housewife in the 19th century context that she stayed at home taking care of the kids. That was pretty normal. And John and Friedrich, as male characters, they are very hands-on with raising their children, which was not very usual during the time. You can see John's and Meg's admiration for one another in Camp Lawrence chapter, when John goes defending Meg for being a governess. And that's perhaps my favorite John and Meg moment in the novel. It's a bit sad and weird when people say now that Meg didn't have ambition, and maybe it is a bad reading of the book, or people don't realize that not all ambition needs to be artistic, like with 
Amy and Joe, because Louis May Alcott's sister Anna Alcott also worked as a teacher, and if I remember right, she even started school. That is very admirable. So Anna also worked as a teacher and as a governess, and so did Louisa May Alcott. Being a governess in the 19th century wasn't a very fashionable thing to do. Female education was still seen as very suspicious, and there were schools for teachers, but women were not always allowed to become teachers or professors. But John obviously admires Meg because they are in the same situation. He's teaching Laurie who always doesn't have the greatest respect for him, and he's poor, and he sends money to his family. Meg was a governess, and sometimes the children in the family where she was tutoring gave her hard time as well. And she also worked hard, and parts of her salary went to support her family. You can't blame Meg for wanting a new dress time to time. It is interesting that both Joe and Meg ended up marrying teachers, and Joe ran the school, but she was more of a mother than a teacher, and she was more than happy to let Friedrich do the teaching. March family was always very pro-women's education, and even Amy teaches painting in the Bear Academy. I think one of the reasons people don't really get Meg and John that much might be because John is more an introverted character, whereas Friedrich and Laurie are more extroverted. I don't remember how I said this before here, but I think Friedrich was John's best friend in Concord. Of course, Laurie and John were friends, but Laurie would always see him as his old tutor as well. And then John was good friends with older Mr. Lawrence, but then part of him always sees him as his boss. In the March family, Joe and John were only ones who spoke German, so Fritz could speak uh, his native language with them. And John was also a teacher. And in Little Man there is a scene where Friedrich says that he and Laurie would go to John for marital advice since he was the one who had been married for the longest. Do you think Nat in Germany with the guys was like Meg at the Vanity Fair type of thing? Like even any similarities? In Joe's boys, Nat, who was the main character of Little Man, he travels to Germany to study music. He goes to Leipzig. Do you know why Leipzig is important? That's because Louisa May Alcott's favorite writer, Goethe, studied music in Leipzig. So here we have Nat going to Germany to study music in Leipzig. Nat is very similar to Laurie in many ways. He's a very dreamy character. Often he has his head in the clouds. He's not very grounded. And it's interesting because Laurie falls in love with Amy and Amy is very grounded and Nat falls in love with Daisy and Daisy is very grounded so Daisy is Max and John's daughter the time that Nat spends in Germany it's a time of learning and self-discovery he gets into all kinds of trouble and almost ends up marrying a German girl so he has some wild days in Germany but he didn't want to let Daisy down or Friedrich down and decided to put his act together. So every time when Louisa May Alcott has these characters that I like to refer as Laurie archetypes, like Laurie, Tommy, Nat, Charlie in Rose in Bloom, in a way they create their own misfortunes and they can get consumed by it or they can decide to shape up their act. That process is usually started by a grounded female character. And Nat was also raised by the bears. He didn't want to let them down. That is the way life goes. You learn and you grow from your mistakes. Hopefully. I would love it if you made a chapter about how Joe and Laurie fed each other with harmful ideas of gender roles. Since Greta Gravick fucked up that too. That's one of the themes of this third season. The, the marriages in Little Woman. The relationships the reason why Joe and Laurie's relationship does not work out when they are adults because of these gender roles. Joe feels that marriage is not for her because she has been told that you can either choose marriage or a career, even when she has hopes that someday she can find somebody who loves her and supports her career. And when Laurie proposes Joe, he basically gives her all the reasons why the two should not marry. And that makes Joe feel that this combination that she wants 
both career and love is out of her reach. So it feeds to that insecurity that she has about herself. Laurie sees Joe as a safety net where he can fall back on, and she always says yes to him. But Joe is so frustrated with him, she fears that the only way a man can love her is if she is a maternal figure, and it is a genuine fear since she is a maternal person and loves boys, but also shows how misguided she was when she saw Laurie using women more as his, quote, playthings and participating on that herself and thinking that that is what all these other quote feminine women are only good for. Both Laurie and Joe deserve their character arcs portrayed in the film's rightful ways, both good and the bad. Please share the afterglow moment between Joe and Fritz that you once mentioned. I need it, you know, for reasons. Okay, so this is in Little Man Chapter Goldilocks. Quote, we give them kindly spirit that shines through the simplest demeanor, making it gorgeous and gordial, like you, my dear old boy. This is Joe speaking to Fritz. Tut, we will not compliment, for if I begin you will run away, and I have a wish to enjoy this happy half an hour to the end. What have they been doing for half an hour? Yet Mr. Bear looked pleased with the compliment, for it was true and Mrs. Joe felt that she had received the best her husband could give her by saying that he found his truest rest and happiness in her society. Okay, it depends on the edition, but this one that I have, and I have this like British edition from, from the 50s, I think, it says that Friedrich is laying on the couch, Joe next to him after a long sweaty day in the garden. And then in my Finnish version, my finished translation, Joe is going through Friedrich's hair with her hand. Like, you can't blame me thinking that this might have been an afterglow scene. And it would have not been that unusual for Louisa May Alcott because there is the sex scene in The Actual Little Woman. All the conversations in Little Man between Joe and Fritz are very warm and intimate. And it kind of reminds me of that notion of Louisa and Henry having a telepathic connection and he also liked to work sweaty in the garden. Joe and Frick they have these very playful conversations and they tease each other in most adorable ways and what is funny about it when they tease each other in the book they are really just giving each other compliments and what I love about this is the narrator says how Joe feels that the place next to Friedrich is the best place in the world and they have this specific time each day that they spend with one another. And he also wants her to be close to him physically and emotionally. And in Little Woman, there is the sex scene between Meg and John, which is referred to as, quote, a moment of bliss. And here we have, quote, truest rest and happiness. It's quite suggestive. It can't be foreplay. Louisa got into a bit of a trouble with Little Woman Part 2. It was considered too much of an adult novel and there were some people and organizations who even wanted to ban it because of, quote, moment of bliss and things like that, Joe's sexual awakening with Fritz. And most readers now don't even pay attention to these details, which I blame the adaptations, but I think it's actually pretty amazing. I did find this fun blog post how words like moment of bliss and Truest bliss and happiness were used as, as euphemisms. Okay, so this is from Squeaking Pips. Quote, 19th century people also used euphemisms for sex and sexual activity. Contrary to 19th century stereotypes, Maggie clearly enjoys her sexual relationship with Eli. However, propriety demands that she refrain from being too graphic when she speaks about it or when she writes in her journal. In a time to heal, she uses an alternate term, quote, free, when writing about sexual activity in her journal, and yet it's clear what she is referring to. Quote, I was taught the value of modesty, journal, but having been married twice, I also learned the value of being free with one's husband. Today, Eli and I were free by the little bod on our property. In the same journal entry, she also used the word pleasant, and the phrase enjoy each other to indicate sexual activity. Quote, 
While it would not be prudent to give details of our afternoon, allow me to say that it was quite pleasant. The sun was warm, and we tried quickly after our swim. Then we enjoyed each other's company, while the birds called sweetly and the cicadas were in the trees. Here's the Joe and Freddy kissing scene from Little Man. I read Little Man again just a few months ago, and I had not noticed this before. So this happens after Dan has run away from Plumfield, and then he comes back. So Dan is Joe's favorite student in Little Man. He's her uh, wild child. Joe finds uh, Dan from the barn, and then she goes and tells Fritz about it. Quote, I hadn't the heart to scold him, and just took him in, like a poor little black sheep come back to the fold. I may keep him, Fritz, can I? Of course you may. This proves to me that we have a hold on the boy's heart, and I would no more send him away now than I would my own rob. Dan heard a soft little sound as if Mrs. Joe thanked her husband without words. Soft little sound as if Mrs. Bear thanked her husband without words. Well, that's euphemism for kissing. <laughs> that was Little Man Chapter Home Again, Louisa Mayork, 1871. So next time when you come across people who say that, oh, Joe was never into Frederick, feel free to quote these scenes from the actual novel and the book series. <laughs> May I use clips of your podcast or paragraphs from your articles in my little woman slash Louisa Mayalko thesis or analysis? Yes, you may. Yes, uh, you can use clips and paragraphs. Well, I usually tell who I am quoting if I am quoting someone, but you can find the credits from the episode transcripts, and I usually have the links to them in the show notes. But if you are quoting something that I've said, you can just add the podcast, the credits. Here are some questions about my Louis May Alcott studies. What are the episodes you are most proud of? Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Everyone deserves to enjoy a McRib at least once in their lifetime. Because when you're this saucy and tangy and tasty, a life without one creates a serious case of FOMO. The McRib is back. Don't miss the classic you've been craving. Get a McRib, filet of fish or Big Mac and get another for a dollar or mix and match. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I am pretty pleased with all of them. The first collaboration I did with Emily got the 150-year lorry problem. That's probably the one where I've got most feedback. And some people even pointed out to me how Important it was for them since they had been attacked every time when they criticized Booklore's behavior. Based on the feedback I've received, a lot of people seem to get attacked if they criticize either Laurie or Joe because they are so idealized in the adaptations. It's kind of sad, but that's the whole point of the novel that, that you grow as a person. I tend to like episodes that handle intersectional issues like why Frederick is poor, where is the brown-skinned Laurie, Louisa May Alcott's love for Germany, and her views on immigration. I like doing these deep analyses on certain events and themes and chapters in Little Woman with my guests, because they can point out something that I hadn't thought before, and that's really enjoyable because you learn new things about the book and the characters. Where do you find information? I use lots of university databases. I am also blessed to know a great deal of Canon fans who have provided me with sources. When I started to study Louisa May Alcott's love for Germany, I found so many studies about it that I haven't even read all of them yet. How you got into Louisa May Alcott research? I've been a fan of Little Woman since I was a child. 
And in 2018, I read an abridged version of Little Woman, the English version, and it changed many of the views I had about the novel and the author. And then I started to purchase some Louisa May Alcott biographies, and I was really blown away that there was a real-life Laurie and a real-life Frederick. Should we even have the Team Bear, Team Laurie slash Team Spinster discussion? Since Louisa wanted to marry Henry and rejected Laddie, and she was very lonely and nothing like a happy spinster, the whole debate has started to feel quite pointless to me. I guess the real question is, when are we going to get adaptations that are loyal to the novel and don't make a mockery of the author? What do you think of the 2017 miniseries and the 1978 version with Susan Day? They are my favorite adaptations of the book. You have a great taste. I'll start with the 1978 version since it's actually one of my favorites too. And I think it's very much underrated. It has my favorite glory of all time, Richard Chilliland. He doesn't look at all like the book glory, but he's the only one who really goes from 1 to 100 like the book Laurie, in terms of his temper. I also really love that there's a scene where Amy calls him out when he's drunk, and then you can see that he has a great fondness for Amy. And I think it might be the only version where Amy's actress and Laurie's actor have more chemistry together than Joe's and Laurie's actors. It also builds the Amy and Laurie relationship when he compliments her art, and you can see how good friends they are. Then the series also shows how Laurie struggles to be what his grandfather wants him to be. And there are scenes of them getting along, but also arguing. And it's really important. And a friend of mine said that Susan Day was so pretty, she would fit to be Meg. And I thought she was okay, Joe. There were too many arguments between her and Fritz. And less as many between her and Laurie. Which is my biggest complaint about this adaptation. I really love that. There are moments where Joe doesn't like to show emotion, like in the book. And then in the umbrella scene, she tries to hide her tears, also in the book. And she's really afraid of losing Friedrich, also in the book. I don't think William Shatner was a bad Friedrich. The accent was bad, but other than that, he wasn't that bad. <laughs> I love that there were references to his nephews. And I adore that scene where he runs after her carriage and gives her Shakespeare's book. Then when Mrs. Kirk gives a magazine with Joe's article, he says, My Joe. It was also really nice when Joe went back home. I love that they didn't argue in that scene like in the films. And when Friedrich was in New York after that, he was looking for a job. So he was planning to go to Concord, propose Joe, but also prepare her so he would have the money to give a home for her. When Joe and Beth traveled to the seaside, Beth was teasing Joe, and she and Friedrich were writing letters, and she called him Joe's professor, and I love it so much. And you can see in the series how Joe and Friedrich write letters to one another, like in the book. And I really like the girl who played Beth. I already talked about the 2017 version, but here's some more. I adored John and Meg in that version. Heidi Thomas, who wrote it, said that she didn't really understand Joe's and Frederick's relationship, and she seemed to be a Joe and Laurie shipper since childhood. Many people are. But it also explains why Amy's portrayal in that series is a villainization. Like, she didn't really like Amy's character, and she also made it look like Frederick and Joe were arguing about her writing, which we all know doesn't happen in the novel, since Cho herself did not want to write sensationalism. I think to me the 1978 series and the 1994 film, they managed to do things that the 2017 series and the 2019 film lack. The 1978 and the 1994 version, and maybe also the 1949 version, they have this special warmth in them. There is message about the family and togetherness. I think in 2017 series it was cinematography that made it feel a bit cold and distant. With the 2019 film, the problem was nihilism. The idea that the future and the present is not important, but it's scary and unpleasant. And childhood is the romanticized idea. There was a lot of that in the 2019 film guide. And it's really the opposite to the novel because 
the characters are quite optimistic about the future, even though it is uncertain in the novel. Especially when it comes to Joe in the book, she sees that Laurie wants to keep their relationship in that childlike state and her to be his mother, but Joe hates that and she wants to grow up bright and even fall in love. I do love in the 2017 series that we can see Friedrich and Joe with children and Fritz and Tina playing the elephant. And it didn't develop Joe and Friedrich enough, or Amy and Laurie enough. There were some loose ends, like Mommy giving Bill Grimm's process to the girls, but then there are no references to the book again. But in the novel, it's really a pinning point in the story when the girls try to grow to the woman they like to be. They make mistakes and on the way and learn from them. I always wish that there were more more references to Germany or Friedrich's past in the adaptations. The only one in this series is when Friedrich says to one of his nephews that they need to learn to speak English. I mean, it's great that it's there, but there could have been a lot more since Louisa loved Germany and openly welcomed German immigrants to her country. And I really love that small moment in the series when you can see Joe touching the letters Fritz has sent to her. And also Angela Lansbury is million times better and March than Meryl Streep. There I said it, because Lansbury's and March was a lot closer to the book. Meryl Streep's and March hasn't even opened Little Woman. I love how you can see that Aunt March essentially is very lonely. Despite that tough shield, she's a very crusty lady in the novel. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and make good choices. And have a great summer, everyone. Everyone deserves to enjoy a McRib at least once in their lifetime. Because when you're this saucy and tangy and tasty, a life without one creates a serious case of FOMO. The McRib is back. Don't miss the classic you've been craving. Get a McRib, filet of fish or Big Mac and get another for a dollar or mix and match. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.